0: We've got this. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. to episode two of the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Today I am talking with Dr. Elizabeth Goldspink, a naturopathic doctor whom I connected with over on Instagram. And we've been connected for several months now, but I've known about Dr. Goldspink's work for, oh man, I'd say a few years. Um, Dr. Goldspink is the formulator of the supplement called Papilex, which is one of the first supplements that I have ever found specifically for HPV. And when I found the brand Papilex and I looked into what exactly is within the supplement and how they go about addressing HPV and cervical dysplasia within female bodies, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have Dr. Cold's Pink on the podcast because friends, it's not too often that you find a doctor whose like main thing is abnormal pap smears and you know let alone a doctor who has formulated a supplement that has been available for over 10 years I think she said it's about 15 years that she's been looking into this and and formulating this um, product for for people you don't you don't see that often in fact I don't really know any other doctor allopathic naturopathic osteopathic like I I literally don't know of any other doctor at this moment I mean heck I'm open to knowing of more doctors who are focused on abnormal pap smears um so you know this this recording was actually shared as a video on my blog, and I wanted to make it one of the first few episodes of the podcast because Dr. Goldspink puts... So much or give so much really important and applicable information for women who are facing abnormal pap smears on what they can do, what to think about, how to address it, and how to move forward on their cervical healing journey. One thing I really appreciate about Dr. Gold's Pink is the practicality in the way that she treats and works with women who are facing abnormal pat smears. And so I am just so grateful for her work and for her willingness to speak with me today or speak with me, you know, the day that we spoke and I do have a coupon code for Papalex which if you are interested in looking into the supplement um, we say this in the episode but I want to say it here now they did some um, studies on the supplement and they showed that for women who take it for six months regularly like you know actually taking the supplement for six months, nine out of 10 women heal HPV. So the coupon code and the link to Papilex is in the show notes. But even if you don't want to buy the supplement, which is totally fine, Elizabeth, excuse me, Dr. Goldspink shares so much incredible information. I can't wait for you to listen to it. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome. I am so excited to introduce to you introduce you to Dr. Elizabeth GoldsPink, who is a naturopath doctor and the creator of the Papalix supplement brand that I have shared with you many times throughout the months. And I'm so excited to have her here to have a conversation about her product as well as her perspective of abnormal pap smears and really the cervical healing journey and what women can do to heal their cervix themselves to avoid the leap procedure, avoid maybe even being coerced into, you know, other treatments that they don't necessarily feel
1: good about. So welcome, Elizabeth, to the cervical wellness community. Thank you so much for having me, Danelle. I love your work and all that you do to support women in this community. So it's an honor to be here with you.
0: Thank you. Well, I know I gave like a short little introduction um, about who you are, the basics, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself and um, share perhaps your inspiration into going into naturopathy and working within the women's health field.
1: Yeah, so it, it actually started as it does for for many people who are, you know, doctors or healers with my own health journey. So I was in a different field working in business and marketing. And then I, I ran into my own health challenge that the conventional medical medical system couldn't couldn't do anything about. And so doors were closing and someone said, go see a naturopathic doctor. And so I went and that particular doctor helped me to heal in a matter of two weeks. And the medical community wasn't able to help me in in the course of a year and and basically said, sorry, there's nothing left in our blue book. We can't do anything for you. So that was extremely inspirational to me. And it was the moment that I realized, okay, I'd love to do something meaningful in this lifetime to help close that gap between what's actually out there and what people are aware of. Is out there, and so I went back to school. I converted my undergraduate degree into sciences, and then I did a four-year four postgraduate degree in naturopathic medicine, and then a residency after that. and uh, And here I am, and I've been working with this uh, cervical wellness community now for about 14 years. It started uh, my journey started in 2008 when my very best friend in her early 20s um, got rapidly progressing abnormal cells on a on a Pap smear that were progressing rapidly towards cervical cancer. And she was told at that time that she would have to get her uh, cervix removed and she may not be able to have a family. And for her, family was everything. And so it was completely devastating. And uh, in her early 20s, she was being offered all these invasive procedures because of the persistence of the abnormal pap and the escalation of, you know, CIN1 to CIN2, uh, et cetera, so quickly. So that was how I got involved with this community. I thought, no, we got to figure this out. There's got to be answers. And I started interviewing doctors in the space, naturopathic doctors, PhDs, physicians who I knew specialized in this. And at the same time, I used my university access to get access to every single clinical study on all the nutrients that help reverse abnormal cervical changes. And so I spent an entire summer just delving into the research, interviewing experts. And in the end of that, I gave her, um, you know, obviously like the the lifestyle uh tips that are that are so foundational to this healing journey as you know and in addition to that i gave her 10 targeted supplements that had really good data to back it and we reversed her abnormal cervical changes in five months and wow. she could not believe it she needed no invasive procedures um, she kept her cervix no risk to her future life she now has a beautiful family and uh, and so that she said she's actually the one who said you got to make this easy for women. You've done all this literature, make it available, make it widely available. And you've got to make it easy. Like you just spent, you bought me 10 products and you spent $400 on them. And I'm opening 10 pill capsules a day, like put this all in one, figure out a way. Mm. And so she was my inspiration to go, okay, you're not the only one. I trust you that there's thousands of other women out there that need this. And uh, and so that was it. So in 2008, 14 years ago, we hit the ground running with um, the very first commercial product, and then information database on all this information that that I had to really go searching for at that time that wasn't widely available.
0: Wow, Elizabeth, you were like really the forerunner for this. I mean, people say to me like to know I haven't I didn't know about this work until you came forward, which is about seven years ago, but you were even doing this seven years before that. And what was the what was the like, the atmosphere surrounding cervical health, you know, back when you put out this product 14 years ago,
1: Papalex, A lot of fear and misinformation. So that was also earlier days of Google. Mm-hmm. And so what I found then is women were going online, like my friend, and many others who who I encountered and worked with after that, going online, getting incorrect information, feeling like there was no hope, feeling like invasive procedures were the only way out. And like there was nothing they could do during this watch and, and wait period. Like there was no data to back what could be done to empower these women. And then feeling hopeless and shamed and um, huge stigma um, so whatever whatever we see now around you know sh- the shame, the stigma, all these things that shouldn't exist at all was amplified a hundredfold back fourteen years ago.
0: Mm. Mm. yeah, that's around the time I was at the very beginning of my cervical abnormal pap smears diagnosis. So I was about 15 years ago, I got my first abnormal pap smear diagnosis. And yep, I was that person Googling and found absolutely nothing. And so I'm just so grateful for you kind of picking up the the torch and and starting this for all of us. I'm deeply, deeply grateful for that. So, you know, you mentioned that you chose 10 supplements for your friend. Could you speak to what, like what those supplements are? or What the I think you've called them nutraceuticals, correct? So what, yeah. what is included or what is needed for the healing of abnormal pap smears in this supplementation?
1: So what we what I kept finding when I was searching the data, and it wasn't just one study. This is reproducible across quite a few studies, large-scale studies in different countries um, of, of women in this demographic with abnormal pap smears and persistent HPV infections. And what they find is women have um, consistently low levels of certain nutrients when they have persistently abnormal pap smears. The biggest one being folate, Uh, folate comes from green leafy vegetables generally. And if you have low folate levels, then you're at, at, quite a high risk of of persistent HPV infections and certain things such as the birth control pill deplete folate and other B levels quite a bit. And so what we've learned in recent years is that if a woman is on the birth control pill for five years or more, they're at considerably increased risk of cervical cancer and of persistent HPV infections. The good news is once you come off the pill, that trend decreases. Um, But again, like how many women go into their doctor's office and are put on the pill, usually not for anything sexually related. It's like, oh, oh, I've got acne or abnormal cycles, or my menses is too heavy. And it's like, oh, great, the pill cure is everything. So you can go on that, right? And it's like, where's the actual information about, okay, well, just so you know, this is going to increase your risk of HPV, of of cervical cancer by, you know, depleting certain key nutrients and other mechanisms. And right, like, we're, we're not often not, Um, fully informed before we consent right Mm -hmm. so a lot of women don't even know that of that connection between the pill and and HPV and cervical dysplasia Um, but back to the nutrients so folate's a big one another big one is um, vitamin A derivatives Mm -hmm. such as lycopene and carotenoids those ones um, reduce HPV persistence when they're at a sufficiency level in, in the blood vitamin E vitamin C selenium and zinc Those are the other nutrients that tend to be low uh, in people who have persistent HPV infections. Mm -hmm. And then apart from the nutrients, we've also got the the herbals. So um, broccoli sprouts, they contain a few different constituents that help to clear um, abnormal uh, changes uh, from from cervical cell lines. Uh, Those are from broccoli sprouts. So you can literally just eat broccoli sprouts. Most people don't like to because they're super spicy and sometimes (laughs) difficult to access. But broccoli sprouts are amazing if you can blend them up in a smoothie. And reishi mushroom is another one that has good data on on cervical uh, changes. That's a, a, a traditional Chinese medicine bright red, beautiful mushroom that's been used uh, for immune augmentation in TCM for centuries, but it also has specific data on HPV, which is really exciting. And then another Chinese medicine herb called astragalus root, which is an immunomodulator, but it also has been shown to reduce abnormal cell growth in cervical uh, cancer and cervical cell lines. So these are some of the the big players that we have in herbal, herbal medicine that actually have been shown in the data to decrease abnormal changes to to uh, cervical cell lines, and uh, and so those were all the different things that I had given to my friend, and those are all the different things that are currently contained in Papilex.
0: Wow, yeah, it's you know when while you're speaking, I was just thinking and feeling into like why are we as women so deficient in these things, and just. You know, there's so much conversation around the depletion of our soil and just like the the lesser quality foods that we have available to us nowadays compared to even our grandparents or great grandparents' um, generation. But I'm just curious, like in in your mind, why do you think there has become such a prevalence of HPV infection and you know the development of cervical dysplasia? Because I know it's been around for. You know, centuries and, you know, know, the pap smear was created uh, at the turn of the 20th century to or, you know, in the 1940s to help with cervical screening because cervical cancer was such an issue for women. But I just given the amount of women that I speak to on a weekly basis who have abnormal pap smears. Just, I'm curious about your perspective on why this is such an issue for women. And it doesn't have to be scientifically based, maybe even just your personal opinion. I'd be very curious to know.
1: Yeah, you've mentioned the, the pap smear. Of course, that's been a huge game changer in terms of early detection. So since the invention of the, the pap smear and since it's become commonplace in Western countries, we've seen such a decrease in, in cervical cancer rates because we catch it before it gets to cervical cancer. Yeah. And so the pap smear has been an absolute godsend. And you see in countries like you do really incredible work with Proffer International in Ghana. Yeah. And you see a lot of these African countries, cervical cancer is still the number four cause of death. In a lot of these women, right? Whereas we've we've really made a huge impact just from the Pap smear uh in, in Western countries and early screening and early detection. Whereas in Africa, there's still a lot of work to be done to, to, to just implement that adequate screening and, and early detection. So for sure that that has a huge impact. Um, and then I think foundational to Any type of uh, a virus that takes hold in the body or any type of, of illness or disease, there's four, you know, four free therapies, we'll call them, or four pillars of optimal wellness. And those are, you know, getting sufficient high quality sleep, seven to eight hours a day. Daily movement, doesn't really matter what you're doing, whether it's yoga, a brisk walk in nature, going to the gym, whatever it is, but brisk movement daily. People are so often sitting in front of a computer, or sitting at a desk with bad posture and alignment, and that takes its toll. And then nutrition, which we're talking about today. So ideally from an optimal diet, diet where your food's grown in, in nutrient-rich soil, generally organic, right? We know that's sometimes hard to get. So sometimes um, there's, there's a need to top up with nutraceuticals in cases where we have a proven deficiency, but an optimal diet. And then the last one, which I know you focus a lot of your work on is the psychological pillar, right? Like how you're managing psychological stressors as they arise. We're we're all, we live in a world that's fast paced information overload coming at us all the time. So how do you manage that? Right. You can't control necessarily all the elements of your environment, but you can control your response to them. So, so doing that work. And I think that in my opinion, out of those four pillars, that's the most important pillar.
0: Hmm. I mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for saying that, because, you know, in all the conversations I have with women who like from they're from around the world, I've spoken to women, you know, in every major continent besides Antarctica, and I find that they are the most resistant to that final pillar. It's like, oh, give me, you know, okay, I'll start moving every day and I will start, you know, I'll I could change my diet and um okay, I'll try to get some sleep, you know, better sleep, but that the psychological component feels the most daunting and scary, it seems, for many women. And so I'm just I'm really grateful you brought that forward as an important pillar because mm-hmm. um I feel like that is one of the missing links. And also, the other missing link is being just having this access to the the necessary nutrients and vitamins and minerals that our body needs to heal and recover from the HPV viral infection or even support the body and, you know, regenerating the the cervical cells into, like, in a vital state. Um, so, you know, I get a lot of questions about, AHCC. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious your perspective on the difference between that supplement and, say, Papilex. And um, are they, do they do the same thing? Are they different? I know your company also provides a, a, okay, at some, I have a little bit of dyslexia around it. I'm like, is it A,
1: H-H-C? You're not the only one. I know R-A-H-C-C. it's like the most typed <laughs> word in Google because it's so confusing.
0: Okay. So I'm <laughs> but sorry. But you're right. If it's I
1: so- AHCC. I am
0: some stuff. I'm like, I hope you didn't say that incorrectly. Um, but yeah, I'd just love to hear your thoughts around that. And I know you have both products, but what are the differences of them and how do they? So find-
1: AHCC is a patented proprietary Japanese product. So there's a company called Amino Up in Japan that makes this. HCC, and what they do is they take shiitake mushrooms, and they make the particle size really small so that it's able to be absorbed well into the cell. Mm-hmm. And so it's rich in, in a component called alpha glucans, and uh, it's a great immune booster. So when I was in back in finishing uh, my studies in medicine, I, I did a an oncology shift, and I remember in that oncology shift, which I I had once a week for the course of a year. Um, It was the only thing that we could use to boost people's T cells measurably on blood work so that they could continue with their cancer treatment. So it would measurably boost T cells, measurably boost natural killer cells in a short time in blood. So it's quite a profound immune booster, um, great for short-term use. And so it just helps your immune system to um, be boosted in, in the T cells and NK K cells that can help respond to any virus. It's not specific to HPV, oh. it's great for any virus. I think I think it has human clinical data on 20 different viruses, like cold viruses, flu viruses, West Nile, HPV. So it's nonspecific, it, it can be used for so many different uses to, to boost those cells. AHCC has two human clinical trials on HPV showing about a 60 to 70% eradication of HPV in a woman's body in within a 6-month time frame. Wow. So it's got actual human clinical studies on HPV, um, which is really great. So, and it's a totally different mechanism. So Papalox is topping you up of all the different nutrients that have been found to be persistently low in the blood
0: mm. of people
1: with HPV. And then it's also got the, you know, the mushroom and the and the astragalus and the um, uh, the sulforaphane from broccoli that have also been found to enhance clearance of, of cervical cells. Um, so it can be used together with the AHCC short-term. For people who just want, you know, a a quicker, maybe more profound um, effect, I would say if you're intending just to take one thing, um, then Papilex would be the one thing that if I I personally found myself in in this situation, what I would take. But if you have the financial means to be able to layer on the AHCC um, in all of our test groups and the people that we've done case controls on, we found it to be really effective.
0: Mm, mm. This is really great to know. I actually didn't realize that it was applicable to other viruses. I think I've only ever heard it in relation to HPV, so this is just really awesome information to have for the future and for people who mm, Yeah. Are I've had a lot of their-
1: patients lately who are getting, you know, RSV, COVID, or colds and flus and and are not quite uh, responding as well to, to to clearing those viruses they have in years past yeah. and so after they clear the actual viral component after a few days you know using different antivirals that are natural then i i've been often moving them on to ahcc just to help get their energy back and help just get their immune system back into gear uh, because they found it difficult to get back there naturally and the ahcc has been really great for that
0: oh Thank you for sharing that. I'm <laughs> like, yeah. okay, that's like like that's something you like put in your little pocket just for yeah. uh, like the global situation that we've been in within the last few years. I feel like that's um a hot tip that many of us wish we would have known maybe 2 years Absolutely. ago. Um yeah, so, you know, as you have been working, you, you work with all people with, you know, with all health concerns or whatnot. Have you found any specific type of, um, like lifestyle situation that has led people to be more um, prone to abnormal pap smears? Or have you noticed any patterns in your patients regarding abnormal pap smears, perhaps in the way that um, they live or behave or whatnot? I know you don't get into like the nitty gritty of of their life, but I'm just curious if you have noticed any patterns within your patients who have um, active HPV infections and or cervical dysplasia?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, right? Because 80% of the population has HPV. So why are there only certain women who are presenting with abnormal PAPs or symptoms yeah. of HPV, right? If 80% of the population has it, why are only 5% five to 10% actually presenting with abnormal PAP smears, you know, CIN, abnormal abnormal cells, or, you know, low-grade HPV lesions? Um, why, right? Like, what? what's the... What's the differentiating factor there? So that's a great question. And and I find, and, and I mean, there's, there's definitely evidence to show that those different factors that we talked about with respect to lifestyle, like the diet, the daily movement, the, how they're processing psychological stressors, yeah. if they're getting adequate sleep, um, genetic factors, because some people just don't methylate well, and if you don't methylate well, then you're not absorbing folic acid uh, from food well, right? And mm-hmm. so then you're you're more at risk as well. So there's a genetic factor. Um, some vaginal factors. Some women um, get recurrent BV, mm-hmm. and if you and, and BV is common, very common. It's not sexually trans. It's not a sexually transmitted infection necessarily. You can just get it from your pH um, being off due to non-sexual conditions, right? And if you get BV. Your your pH of your vagina's off. Your micro your uh, microbial diversity's off. You're more likely to get persistent HPV as well. So there's all these different factors um, that that are that are associated with it. And I find a lot of the time women, especially young women, when they come in. I always address, and and I know some practitioners wouldn't feel comfortable with with that, and I know you do address this, which is huge, but you've got to address that um, stigma associated with it and address if there's any patterns of of shame Hmm. or guilt that they're holding on to. And I like to do visual meditations. I'll say, okay, we're going to do something. I want you to close your eyes. Hmm. Put your, both your hands on your room space and just lean fully in. And you know, we'll do some breath work. And then I'll ask some guided questions. And, and they don't need to tell me the answer if they don't want to. Or they can. We're in a safe space. They can express what arises. But I'll ask, what's being asked of you to heal? Mm. Where are you feeling blocked in your, in your cervix and, and in your reproductive area? Where are you feeling a block? What's arising right now? You don't need to you know, put any filter on, on, on thought, but what's arising for you right now that you mm-hmm. feel needs to be expressed. And then I'll often say, and what patterns are you um, currently experiencing that you think maybe you can let go of now and just start to bring this, this up, right? Cause often it can be as simple as I've, I've met a young girl who, um, you know, just a normal, normal sexual history, normal amount of sexual partners, nothing out of the ordinary, and uh, a gynecologist said to her um, you know this is your fault for being pro- for being promiscuous this is all too common right and so she's holding and internalizing the shame and guilt because she got this it's her fault because she's promiscuous now there's no truth whatsoever to that hmm. because she's has the same sexual history as the next 10 young women who walk into into my into my clinic but someone's said absurdly said that to her, which is so inappropriate, even if it was true, you know? Yeah. And so there's often a lot of, of shame and and guilt and, and uh, emotions that are associated with the stigma of HPV that are playing out that can be completely cleared when they're addressed.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I actually had a doctor said that to me too, uh, a male gynecologist <laughs> and the nurse practitioner I was regularly seeing she was like out sick or something. And he's like, oh, you just been having too much sex. That's why it was, just,
1: oh. right.
0: It's shocking. It's shocking what is being said. Um Yeah.
1: And then that's like, it's, na- it's, it's natural for a young woman to internalize that and yes. think, oh, it's my, this is my fault. Right. Yeah. And then that, that and, and it takes hold and, and we hold these experiences in ourselves, you know, until we,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they come to conscious awareness and we're able to release them.
0: Mm-hmm. I love hearing how you guide women to kind of like hold their womb and ask those internal questions. I don't think I've ever heard of any sort of practitioner doing that. And I, so do you know of if other uh, naturopathic doctors are doing that, or is that just something that you have brought yeah, into do. your
1: practice? I don't know, Danelle. I don't know. I I haven't spoken to one that does that in particular, or seen it in in books that I've read about it. Uh-huh. I think I've just found I I found that pattern through my work of the the shame and the guilt and that psychological stressor aspect.
0: Mm. And
1: then I think the first step in undoing anything that's negatively impacting us, um, that that's weighing on our mind and we're holding in ourselves, yeah. is is going inside and bringing it to conscious awareness yeah
0: mhm mhm yes i fully agree you know one of the themes that i have s- seen or have found within the women that i work with is this self rejection it's just mm-hmm. like rejecting that lower part that like lower half of our body, our pelvis, and just not even allowing our mind or consciousness to dip in there because of the shame, because of the internalized fear, because of all of the stories that are held within our pelvis. And so it's really heartwarming to hear you that you do this with your patients and it's something that I have actually prayed for for um, for people who practice you know gynecology um, in a medical setting to start to incorporate these sorts of mind-body connections within the the exam room or within the conversations with the medical provider because it seems to be as you have noted a major pillar of need within the cervical healing journey so thank you so much for including that in your practice it's really amazing to hear Um, thank you
1: yeah i also think one more thing that can be really helpful is once you've brought that thing whatever it is whether it's guilt shame you know sort of feeling numb down there because of you know self-blame so many different reasons but Um, helping helping the person you're working with to come up with a healing affirmation that's specific to them that that just they can repeat to themselves a few times a day it can be something as simple as i lovingly allow joy to flow freely through my entire body now Mm. i love and accept myself you know it can be as simple as that or it can be something more tailored to i'm i'm now allowing healing of me to the parts that before felt numb Mm. I'm stepping forward into a future of trust, that I'm doing my best and I'm going to show up for myself from now on, right? Mm-hmm. And then even as they're moving through the system, just being an advocate for themselves. You know, if a doctor says to you, oh yeah, this is because you're promiscuous, saying no, actually 80% of people have HPV virus, it's not because I'm promiscuous and feeling like you, I, I'm going to show up for myself, I'm going to advocate for myself, right?
0: Right. Right. Because that practitioner might actually have HPV, too. <laughs>
1: exactly. Probably does. Statistically, probably does. <laughs>
0: wow. I didn't realize that the statistic was that high. I knew like I read the statistic, I mean, like 10 years ago that like 74 million just Americans have it. But to hear that 80 yeah. percent of the population has been exposed or has contracted, like what is what is
1: yeah. 80% of the population. Um, how, how does the CDC word it? I've actually got it right in front of me here.
0: Oh. Um, What's
1: well, the most, co- And now it's the most commonly sexually transmitted infection in the world. 14 uh, million uh, new new infections every single year. And 80% of people um, will contract a strain of HPV in their lifetime. Will contract.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Right. Because it can infect affect different parts of the body the different yeah so
1: yeah exactly there's about 14 different strains that cause um that the high risk ones that cause cancer and then there's you know almost a hundred of the low risk strains that cause the lesions
0: right right okay speaking of lesions what is the difference between an hpv lesion and cervical dysplasia
1: so just the strain So there's the 14 strains. The most common ones are 16 or 18. Strain 16 and 18 still cause about 70% of cervical cancers. And and then there's 12 others that cause the other 30%. And then there's a multitude of different low-risk strains. So the low-risk strains cause the lesions. Okay,
0: like a lesion on the cervix being... It Just like a, a
1: like a verruca, like a a wart, is a, a less nice way of saying it. Yeah, they cause those cervical verruca or cervical or sorry, not cervical. They can be, they can be anywhere. Um, they can be on the vulva. They can be on the anus. They can be on the penis. Um, all over the soft tissue of the genitals.
0: Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever heard of the word lesion associated with wart. <laughs> is that is a much nicer yeah. word.
1: <laughs> People get scared when, you know, you're like, oh, you've got low, you know, a low risk strains that's causing warts. It's like, oh, no, I don't want warts. So we just right. have opted for using the word lesion instead. <laughs>
0: I I can appreciate that. Um, and I also wanted to go back to what you spoke to about the um, methylation. And I know I've actually had quite a few people recently ask me, like, do you work with people who have the um,
1: MTHFR? Yes, yes. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. And so... I was wondering if you could speak to that a little more. Like, what is the difference in approach? Like, would papillex still work for them, or is there something different they have to do if you do have that gene?
1: Yeah. So for for the longest time, people have you know a lot of the textbooks on women's health that were the very first authority on on the different supplements you could take to help with this condition. They were using folic acid then, and it was working. Um, Is it optimal? No, you'd be better off taking a methylated form of of folic acid. There's three different manufacturers who make that. And um, they're often called like metfolin, quattrofolate, but they're they're the methylated or the activated folic acid. So if you have one of these uh, methylation defects, which is just a defect in the gene where you don't absorb folic acid as easily from food or supplements mm. then you would be better off taking one of these activated forms of, of uh, folate you still will absorb some of the folic acid it still will work for you um, in particular if you're taking a solid dose of that but if you can afford to take one of the the um, activated or methylated forms of folic acid and you have that defect that's preferred
0: Okay, so that's really the only difference in approach
1: because I've had
0: people ask me like if they have to change many different things because of that gene, but it's really just... It's,
1: it's just not... folic acid. Yeah, if they oh, have the okay. MTHFR, the the um, the methylation defect with that gene, then they just are better off taking the activated folic acid, the activated okay. folate.
0: Okay, that's good to know. I think that some people when they get... Like another diagnosis or whatnot. It kind of like becomes this like shroud of oh, this is going to be more difficult for me, but it's just really about, you know changing things just a little bit to to make up for that.
1: exactly. your methylation. Yeah. Especially if people are taking the pill, if you're taking the pill and you're under methylating and you, ha- you know, you've contracted a strain of HPV, then it's sort of like a perfect storm for, right. for, you know, getting the HPV persistent. So for those type of people, you know, a lifetime of supplementing with the activated folate would be a pretty good idea or taking a multivitamin that contains the activated folate.
0: Okay. And is um is this true also for other forms of hormonal birth control like the Mirena IUD or like the um explanon now that's question
1: the... so we know for sure that it's for all the oral contraceptives okay um it's not it's not known um none of the data i've seen as to whether or not the IUDs that have the the birth control in them are causing that as well so i actually don't i don't know the answer to that yet
0: okay mhm yeah, because I'd be curious, I've been curious about that as well, about, well, you know, these other implants that you get, because I had the, it was called the Implanon, you yeah. know, 10 years ago, um, for a couple years, and it was actually my choice to remove it to then not be on hormonal birth control ever again, and then I healed, you know, the, the abnormal pap smears, and so I'd be curious to... See how that data unfolds over time, yeah. and whether it is actually increasing women's risks of cervical For sure. cancer. If it's
1: an implant, it's going systemic. So I yeah. would say absolutely. If it's localized, right in the, you know, in in an IUD in the vagina, and it's just staying localized, right? Then, then you know, I I think it's conceivable that it could be staying localized. But if it's right. an implant and it's going okay. into your systemic circulation, then right. it would have. Yeah, the same effects as if you were ingesting it for sure.
0: Right. Or even like, do they still do the birth control shots?
1: I think so. Yeah. Fewer people are getting those these days, but okay. I believe they're still on the market.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow. The things that we women do <laughs> we I know in our bodies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, bringing it back around to just your wisdom around healing the cervix and these abnormal pap smears, like what do you think are the three most important things to consider when healing pap smears? I know we've kind of addressed this in different ways, but if you could just like, like bullet point three. Totally. That you think are most important.
1: I would say if, if, Women can leave with those four pillars and just getting getting those four pillars optimized, you know, taking away one insight that we've given today from our discussion on um, mitigating psychological stressors. One thing they can do to respond to that, whether it's that guided meditation that we we discussed or, you know, just some type of reflective work on, on why this may be arising for them, something they can move positively forward in that direction, that would be amazing. And then considering... Sleep usually an easy one to easier one to to check off the list, and you know daily movement. Considering that thirty minutes a day, some kind of movement, whatever it is, dancing in your bedroom, you know, walking in nature, whatever. And then that the diet, and if needed, uh, optimizing through supplementation. I think getting those four pillars in order will not only optimize the body uh, for preventing HPV from taking hold, but it will optimize the body in response to anything.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. Um, Well, actually, uh, one thing you said brought forward one more question. What about, so you have the HPV infection, and then you do the work to like mitigate that, and it goes back dormant within your system. Do women also need to be considerate of it coming back? And do these things that you just mentioned help? in preventing it from resurfacing
1: great question i like to look at this as an opportunity to make changes to the foundation of your health so this is an opportunity your body's telling you hey we don't have what we need to be functioning optimal optimally on you know one of these four levels and and so i think this is an opportunity to make a permanent change you know you know that you have this susceptibility in in the cervix to this condition so make these changes permanently these these life enhancing optimizations to daily movement commitment to daily movement the sleep the the dietary adjustments because at the end of the day it's it's not going to protect you only against hpv it's going to it's going to keep your cervix well it's going to keep your entire reproductive system well it's going to keep your entire body well so i like to look at this not as a okay we're going to go all in for four to six months, eliminate the HPV, and then revert back to the old way. It's like, no, no, this is this is an awakening. This is an opportunity to open to a new way of being.
0: Yeah. Yep. I like to tell my clients, I'm like, this is a one way street. (laughs) Once you step on it, there's no I mean, you can turn around and go back, but I highly recommend just continuing forward and having this be a, a new way of approaching life and your body and letting it as you said, being awakening to yeah. what is possible within you. Well, exactly. thank you so much, Elizabeth, doctor Coldspink. Coldz-Pink. Um, where can people find your work and are they able to have a consultation with you? Or I know we're here for Papilex, but I envision people being very excited about your approach. Thank you.
1: So I don't do, I have a full patient roster currently, so I don't take any new clients, but I do have a network of um, naturopathic doctors who do this work that I can connect people with. So if they email me, let me know where they're at. I I can connect them with a naturopathic doctor who can do this work. Um, people can of course work with you and you do incredibly, um, beautiful work. Also, uh, my email is Elizabeth at drgoldspink.com. If they want a referral to an naturopathic doctor and then on the Papilex Instagram page, which is at P-A-P-I-L-L-E-X, there's a ton of information. And as new data comes out, we, we, um, post it there on Instagram. And then of course the website, which is papilex.com on the blog there's a ton of information that's written by naturopathic doctors and posted bi-weekly.
0: Wow. Beautiful. And I will link all of that below this video here. And
1: Oh, and Danelle, you have a coupon code. So people, if they do order, they can get 10% uh, off their order as well.
0: Yes. I was just about to say that. So (laughs) I will definitely include the coupon code and I just want to thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your time and for this connection that we have, you know, God bless the internet for connecting people who are doing similar work and for us to be able to support one another and um, to support the women of the world. So just thank you so much for being here.
1: It's my pleasure. And also some people in your following may not know the amazing work you're helping out with in Ghana and Africa to the women over there for cervical wellness. So you're doing amazing, amazing work over there as well. And people should know.
0: Thank you. I've been plugging them too. you know, they have a little page page on my website and all that. So if you don't know, if you're watching this, go check out my website and learn about Proper Aid International, where they're helping the women of Ghana um, have access to cervical screenings. Because as we mentioned, that is one of the most important ways to prevent ourselves from developing cervical cancer. So, well, Elizabeth, I hope you have a beautiful day and thanks again. Thanks, Janelle. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.